Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, it's Monday at 11.30 a.m. Welcome to Summer Prayer, broadcasting live right here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Chris Mann. I'm glad to have you here. This is going to be a good week. I got an extra day off work last week, plus I get today off in a five-day weekend next week for Thanksgiving. I would say that's one of the real benefits of working for a school. We get lots of time off. Now, today is Veterans Day, so I'd like to take time now to thank all of our veterans, and I ask that we spend some time reflecting and praying for our veterans and just thinking about the sacrifice that they have made or are making. Please feel free to let me know. We're a family in Christ, and nobody bears the troubles alone. So you can comment right here on Blog Talk Radio or email me at commonprayer at gmail.com. And if you don't really care to share, you can just simply say, unspoken. God will know what you need oh, when I pray for you. I remember watching Night of the Living Dead for the very first time. I believe I actually saw the remake first, directed by a guy named Tom Savini, a close friend of George R. Romero. Romero did the original film, and Savini did the uh, special effects before uh, furthering his career as a director and actor. The plot is very simple, and the cast is fairly small. The dead come back to life as zombies. Nobody really knows why and we watch a small group of strangers try and survive the night in an old farmhouse. And by morning, only a few people... This really reminds me of a nonfiction book that was made into a movie. Uh, it's about people who are thought to be dead and later come back to life as what they considered zombies. The book is about a witch doctor in Haiti who is said to put spells on people, and it turns out to be a very powerful drug that this witch doctor uses that slows down the victim's heart rate next to nothing, so people think that that person is dead. And then several days later, the user awakens up and they kind of act all drunk and don't know where they're at and very much like a zombie. It turns out that this witch doctor was actually a thief and he was drugging his victims in order to rob them of everything. Today we're looking at John chapter 11. And this chapter is very memorable because we see Jesus bring a dead man back to life. I don't mean a reanimated corpse moving around like a zombie, but actually back to life. This chapter has some pretty good lessons in it, having full faith in Jesus, praising the Lord no matter what, and the importance of having patience. When Jesus got word that his friend was sick, his friend being Lazarus, he didn't just rush over to his friend's bedside and heal him. There's no real glory in that. Jesus had something even more special planned. He has these little miracles planned out for all of us, and we just need to wait for everything to fall into place to receive them. This chapter is broken into four parts. Lazarus becomes sick and dies. Jesus comforts Mary and Martha. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And the religious leaders plot to kill Jesus.
the death of Lazarus. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daylight will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. But it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. This world is a dark world. It's dark because we have sin in this world, and Jesus is the light. If we walk in the light, we can see. If we walk far away from Jesus, where it's dark, we will stumble. Now Jesus is ready to forgive these Jews because they have stumbled. He recognizes that they made a mistake. Now next week, we're going to read chapter 12, and we see more of the relationship between Jesus and his family. Right now, we know that Jesus loves them. He loves this family, just like he loves us. So why not run to see Lazarus as soon as he got word that Lazarus was sick? Jesus would have healed him right away, but instead chose to wait for an even bigger miracle. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm not going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Jesus comforts the sisters of Lazarus. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been taken into the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, but Mary stayed at home. Jesus doesn't even need to be in the area to know that Lazarus has died. He allowed this test to happen for a reason, to perform a miracle, to rid everyone of their doubt so that they can believe in him. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know, he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I, I believe that you are the Messiah the Son of God, and who is to come into this world. After she had said this, 
She went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. Mary heard this. She got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had come, when the Jews had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing that she had gone to the home the moment there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his, at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus saw her weeping, and the, Jews, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? This passage doesn't say who was with Mary or with Martha or how many people were there. However, the way I read this indicates a really large group, maybe friends and neighbors. When Mary left the house, the group followed. This shows their love and support for her. They didn't leave her alone to grieve. They expressed their love and support for Mary by following her. The Jews provided comfort for the family. Sometimes we think bad things can't happen if we just have Jesus. But let's think about this. We are people. The people have to die. We're not God. We're not Jesus. We don't just live forever in our human body. We have to die. That's how it works. We're born we live, and then we die. And our soul, soul will live forever in heaven with Christ. Is this death really a bad thing or a necessary thing? Do we let our grief blind us from God's master plan? Jesus was very emotional about this death and the grief that Martha and Mary felt. The scripture says that he was deeply moved and troubled in spirit, that he wept. He didn't just cry a little bit. He wept. So he cried a lot and he shared in the family's grief. We worship a God that shares our feelings. He knows how we feel. And he shows his love and care for us openly. As we're about to see, Jesus gladly performs a miracle for this family because he can do all things. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, she said, there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Took away the stone, then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, let him go. 
Now that's amazing. Jesus doesn't even need to speak in order for God to hear him. I feel confident that God hears my silent internal prayers. I often say a prayer in my head, and I have seen the hand of God work after I said these prayers. I like how Jesus lets others work with him on this miracle. Jesus could have rolled the stone of the entrance on his own, but he didn't. Let the other people help with that. We as people can be how others see the hand found in motion. So let's say that you get a flat tire on the highway. You pull over. And right behind you just happens to be a mechanic with an extra spare tire. Now, sometimes this is referred to as the universe, quote-unquote, talking to us. But really, it's the hand of God in motion, allowing us the opportunity to be a part of his blessings. The plot to kill Jesus. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting to the San Andrean. What are we accomplishing? they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. You let him go on like this. Everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. The Romans allowed the Jews partial freedom if they were obedient. Having Jesus walking around performing all these miracles was causing a really big stir. So the old way of life was now changing, and people, especially the leaders, were getting scared. Then one of them, named Caffius, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that of the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and to make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take this life. Therefore, Jesus could no longer move about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up to the country of Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus. As they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders to anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. Now these guys were really scared silly of losing all control. Rome had already taken partial control over the Jewish nation and the leaders were afraid of losing the rest. Rome gave partial freedom as long as the Jews were quiet and obedient. And Jesus' miracles obviously caused a very big disturbance. So let's picture for a moment Canada overtaking America. Let's just pretend that these events are taking place right now, that these Gospels are happening right now. Canada allows us to have a a president and a governor and a Congress. We can pass some laws, but most of the action has to be approved. Canadian authorities are placed around the country to watch us, military patrol the areas. The Jewish leaders were in fear powerful emotion of losing the last bit of control they felt they had. 
So they decided they had to kill Jesus. Now next week we're looking at chapter 12. We're going to learn a little bit more about the relationship between Jesus and his family. We're going to see the actual scene where um, Jesus is anointed with perfume. And Jesus is also going to explain why he must die. So until next time, I'm Chris Mann. Thank you for listening to the Psalm of Prayer.